First uh, Corinthians one three. Let me read this to you. This is random. All right, grace to you. Are y'all good? Just want to make sure that grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. If you read all of Paul's letters in the Bible, he starts every one of them with that phrase right there. Grace to you and peace. With the exception of three books, Titus, First and Second Timothy, he says grace, mercy, and peace. And the reason he says that is because those poor guys were like pastors and leaders in church, and he knew they were not only going to need grace and peace, they was going to need a lot of mercy. Okay, so Paul was very, here's one thing you and I can begin to do. When you read the Bible and you read something like that, like grace and peace, you at that moment should stop and say, I just received that blessing. Because it's an impartation that's being released at that moment. That You know, the word is timeless. So, so we've been going through this, this grace revelation and how grace never stands alone in the Bible. You know, like grace and faith is uh, saved, healed, and delivered. Uh, you got that? Saved in it. Grace and righteousness is how you reign. That's Romans five seventeen. We reign in life through grace and righteousness. Uh, Matthew talked about grace and favor, which actually means grace upon grace, grace for grace. Okay, so and there's a lot of things in the Bible where grace shows up, and it's the manifestation, the multi, the many-colored uh, forms of grace is releasing something else. And so, this morning I want to talk to you briefly about, you know, grace and peace. Um, let me read Luke two fourteen. Um, Glory to God in the highest. This is from New American Standard, and on earth peace among men with whom He is pleased. Peace among men with whom he is pleased. And those people that, are, that God are pleased with are who? Anybody know? Well, heck, we are. Right? Peace. Now, this peace is not, y'all know that, right? You know, God's pleased with you. If you're a believer, he's pleased, period. Uh, I got the right people in here because some people in here aren't really got that revelation. I'll get you, I'm going to help you get there. This peace is not a lack of strife or conflict. It is not a lack of strife or conflict. This is important to know because a lot of people think that this peace is talking about a lack of strife and conflict. There's another deception. <laughs> Here's a, a lot of people I've heard say this. They will say stuff to you like, uh, well, I'm living by a girlfriend, but I have peace about it with God. Okay? Or, I'm, I'm a Christian, but I smoke marijuana, and I have peace about it. I'm just said, well, you know, you can get peace by smoking marijuana, right? <laughs> There's something wrong with that revelation. That's not, that's not the kind of peace that God's talking about. This peace, yeah, poor family. <laughs> this peace literally means, um, it means fulfillment. It means protection. It means provision and relationship with the Lord. This peace is a peace that always centers on relationship. That's what really, when Christ came, He spoke peace. He was speaking, He was releasing the ability for us in, our, in terms of having a relationship with the Lord, in terms of our lives being fulfilled, in terms of us feeling complete in our life, in terms of us feeling like God is protecting us and caring for us, watching over us. That's what this kind of peace is. Amen? 
If you look at it in the Old Testament, there's like, and there's a piles of times it shows up in the Old Testament. Two-thirds of the times in the Old Testament, it is talking about relationship with God. How God was always reaching out and how He would always release His peace to provide for people. You know, because God does all those things to help us have relationship. He provides for us. He, he makes us feel fulfilled in our lives. Helps us make feel like more of a whole person so we can have a relationship. Isn't that good? All right, now let me just uh, turn to Isaiah 54. That was just sort of the introduction. Wow, I took seven minutes to introduce that message. I'm going to go fast here. This is good, though. Uh, if you have time this week, go to Isaiah 52, 53, and 54 and read them. That's the best picture in the Old Testament of the cross, of the covenant that God has given mankind. It's really like the prophetic scriptures that can really reveal to you the Father's heart towards mankind that's in the Old Testament. But I'm just going to do uh, 54 because this is the perpetual covenant of peace that God has made with you and I. That He really wants us to come into a revelation that we're at peace with Him and what that truly means in our life. All right, so it says, Sing, O barren, you who have not born. Uh, break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not labored with child. For more of the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. So that's a picture God was given. And we all know that women, one of the things that the Bible says, and if you happen to be married to a woman like me, never, the womb is never satisfied. You know, we would have 19 children if it was up to Becky. In fact, Becky is still wanting to have kids. You know, God, let's go adopt these kids. Let's do this, you know. And that's because the womb is never satisfied. But here it is, here it is the Bible saying, sing. You who are barren, it's talking about us people who in our lives that we had lived a barren life. There's never been any fruit from our life. And they're saying, break forth and cry aloud. See, that's one of the reasons that the church needs to, it's not break forth and sit there and be still. When we begin to see what God has done for us, there is going to be a verbal outward response. Uh, praise the Lord for that. Then it goes on in verse 2, enlarge the place of your tent. Okay, enlarge. How many people have gotten a word, this word in their life at one time? Oh, this is a terrible word to get. <laughs> enlarge, it says, this is what you got to do. You got to begin. See, God is talking about enlargement in people's life. Your tent's where you live. It's, it's you. It's your insides. Okay, and he's saying enlarge that place because there's more that I have more to, to fill and put in your life than you can ever imagine or dream. Then it says, and let them, everybody say them. Let them, them, this is a very troubling verse. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. In other words, there's a, not only is God saying for us to enlarge, but he's saying let these them people come into your life and stretch. And I want to tell you about them. I know all about them, okay? Because them have been in my life for years, and I discovered who them are. Okay, back in the 1980s, let me who them, let me tell you about them in the 80s for me. It was one of the most. This is back when I was an engineer, and I went to work for this company. And in this company, there were three like uh, you know division engineers, big you know the big engineer guys. There were three of them, and and two of them are just the nicest guys you could ever dream of, but one of them was not nice. And guess who went to work for the one that wasn't nice? 
This man was from India. No, no accusation against in, people from India. But he was the most demanding, hard man that I ever worked for. In fact, I did not think I was going to make it. And I'm a pretty, you know, grind-out kind of guy. I can grind it out when I have to, honestly. But this man was the ultimate. I mean, I could do nothing to make this man happy. Every, all my work that I took for him to sit down for him to review, he tore it apart. He tore it apart. He humiliated me just in between me and him over and over and over and let me know how inadequate I was, how inadequate an employer, how I was not measuring, how I was not doing what I needed to do. And you know what I did? That was a them in my life because something in me, I had to dig down deep inside me because I didn't, I wanted to run. I wanted to live. I looked for other jobs constantly just to escape this man. But there was something in me that told me that this man was sent into my life by God. Okay? As much as I didn't like that feeling, I realized God had sent that man into my life because that man was calling for something in me. Okay? That nobody else had ever called forth in me. Really, literally, that man was calling forth the greatness that God placed in me. Okay? And, call, and, and through his demanding, ridiculous way, I would talk to my friends who were working with these other two guys, and it was just like, y'all are on vacation. You know, what kind of job do y'all have? I don't, we don't even work for the same company. But let me tell you what this man did. He, I finally got to the place where, because I, I went after it, I let that thing, that calling of God on the inside of me, I let this thing work in me, okay? And I finally came to the point where that man could find no issues with my work. I would have never got to that place. I would bring my word to him, and he'd say, oh, and he still would mess with me. Well, I would use this word versus that word. It just came down to little nothings, okay? That man became my greatest uh, uh, proponent, that greatest supporter in my, after that. After that, that man promoted me through the company, helped me get promotion, blessed bless my life. And it was because he was sent by God into my life. He was a them, and see, there's an old poem called Trouble is a Servant, okay? And a lot of Christians don't understand that God sends people, God sends circumstances, God sends situations into your life. And that's why it says, let them. Let this thing go into your life and call forth the thing in your life that God has put in you. You know, there's a story in the Bible, in the book of 1 Samuel. Becky and I were just talking about this recently. It's, it's the story of Hannah who was married to a man who had another wife named Peniah. Okay, Peniah. Okay, well, Peniah. Well, Peniah's name literally means jewel. It was a play on words. Hannah's name meant grace. Okay, so Peniah, Hannah had babies, and the, Hannah couldn't have a baby. And Hannah travailed and travailed and called out to God. And called. It, it, Peniah was like the irritant in the oyster shell. The real jewel was being formed in Hannah. Penaniah was calling for Hannah to be who she was really named to be, was grace. See, trouble's meant to do that to you. Trouble's meant, to, that's when I said God was calling the greatness out of me. It was the grace of God in me that He was calling out of me, allowing a person to take and just to wear me out and, and wear me down and call forth for that thing in me. And for somehow or another, I, somehow in the back of my mind, the back of my heart, I knew God had sent those people to me. It was a them. 
And see, a lot of people today, you're like, you got people, you got circumstances, you got situations, and you're trying to, I've watched people try their best to, to avoid these things instead of allowing the them. That's what it says right here. It says, let, everybody say let. Let them stretch you. Let them do that to you. And if you will do that, when you begin to do that, the thing that's in you, the greatness that God's placed you, the person that's in you, will begin to come forth in your life. But as long as you run from it, as long as you try to avoid it, it'll never, the let them will never happen in your life. It says don't spare. Lengthen your cords. Don't spare. And so God, there's a lot of people going through a lot of hard times. I'll tell you this. It's the, it's the servant of God sending your, your mind and yours life if we can see it. If we can begin to see it like that and quit complaining about the people, quit accusing everybody else, quit doing all this, and just see, God has sent that into my life to bring forth the thing, the real me. And that's how Hannah became really the woman called Grace. Now, let me tell you the, the rest of the story about Hannah. Hannah finally had a baby. And the baby's name was Samuel. Well, Samuel, she gave the baby to the Lord. Even in the womb, she says, he's the Lord. So she took the baby after he was weaned and took him to the priest. In those days, the priest's name was Eli. Eli was this big old huge man, and he had two sons, and Eli was about blind. Okay? He was an old man. He was about blind. His sons were evil men. They were the priests, but they were sleeping with the women. They were taking the offerings of the Lord and eating them, and they were just doing all this evil stuff. Okay? It was, it, was, it was terrible. There was no priest in those days that was standing before the Lord. Eli took that little boy and put an ephod on him, which was what the priest wore. Made a little, little ephod for a little boy. Okay? And so in those days, the only priest that stood and ministered to the Lord was this little boy named Samuel. That was, that's what came out of Hannah's womb. Is, can you imagine a little boy? I'm talking a little boy who stood before the Lord for a whole nation of people. That's powerful. I mean, I don't know about you, but that really speaks to my heart. And see, that's, it all came from a person allowing somebody, the thems, to stretch her, to call forth that thing in her. And so, folks, we're in a time where a lot of people are in that situation. And I would really urge you to remember where you're at. Because God wants to burst something through you that's tremendous. Who would have ever known a little boy standing before the Lord as a priest over a nation, over an entire nation? Well, you know what the story happens is God, you know, there was a fight and those, those two other guys who were so wicked got killed. The daddy found, the Ark of the Covenant got found out and Eli fell over and broke his neck and died. And those people were, it was over with for them. And Samuel became the great prophet of Israel who actually ordained King David into the ministry of kingship to, to take over leading the nation. That's a powerful story, isn't it? So I want to encourage you about that. It goes on, uh, strengthen your stakes. That's your grounding. Uh, rooted and grounded in love. There you go. For you shall, you shall, this is the promise of the Lord, you shall, God, when God says shall, there's no like, well, it might happen, it may not happen. He says shall, Shell's an important word, you know, used to work. People who know English know the difference between shell and will. Shell's automatically, it's going to happen. You shall expand to the right and left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. That's talking about your offspring. Isn't that powerful? Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed. 
the shame is going to be broken off, and you neither be disgraced. Anybody know what disgraced is? Right? You don't want to be disgraced. You want to be graced. Uh, for you will not be put to shame. You will not. That's what the Lord said. You will not be put to shame. For you will forget the shame of your youth. That's, where you, that's your life that you had before Christ, before you entered into this covenant with Him. That was your life. But you're not going to remember. That's not going to be an issue for you no more. Uh, and you will, you will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. Now, they, he's given us a picture of a woman who's desolate, a widow who has nothing. For your maker is your husband. Isn't that powerful? The Lord is promising this. He will be our husband. The Lord, we're talking the God Almighty, the Lord Himself. This is the covenant of the peace. That's why you should be shouting. Okay? Uh, the Lord of the host. You know what host means? Armies. We're talking about the chief guy over all the armies of heaven. Is You're going to be married to him. <laughs> That's a pretty good deal, right? I mean, you need an army? Thousands of angels? At, at your disposal because, you know, nobody's going to mess with the dude's wife. Right? I mean, yeah. The Lord of hosts is his name, and your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. Isn't that powerful? He is called the God of the whole earth. God wants to excite us. For the Lord has called you like a woman forsaken, grieved in spirit. This speaks for itself. Like a youthful wife when you were refused, says your God. God has called us for that. Then he says this, for a mere moment, a mere moment, I have forsaken you. This is before we were, were believers. This is, before we, this is when we were not in, in and we felt forsaken. But with great mercies I will gather you. With a little wrath I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness I will have mercy on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. Now, I want to, I want to remind you of something, okay? I want to remind you of Christ when He was on the cross. For a mere moment I forsook you. Jesus forever lived with the Father on this earth. Okay, but when he was on the cross, before he died, there was a moment in time where he was forsaken. When he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you all remember that? It's the only time in the scripture where, where Jesus, when he was addressing God, he addressed him as God. When he always addressed God, he always addressed him as Father. Now, he may be talking to somebody and mention like, yeah, God will do this for you. But when he was talking to God himself, it was Father except for that one time in the Bible. Why have you forsaken me? He, because the Father forsook him. The Father forsook Jesus Christ on that cross and left him in a lurch, left him exposed, left him. But the good news is, he did it so we would never have to be forsaken. God has promised everybody in this room, this is a covenant of peace. I will never forsake you. I will never forsake you. And you see, God is out to prove to Himself and get people to believe that no matter what happens in your life, He will never forsake you. He even said that. Martin mentioned that to me in the Great Commission in Matthew 28. I will be with you always. Always. Even to the ends of the earth. But another good news about Jesus on the cross is this. It's just before He died, something happened. This is what He said. Father, He was back to you. He was back. Somehow, I don't know what happened. Nobody knows how. But he was forsaken. Suddenly, it was like, God, where are you? 
why have you left me? It was no longer Father, but right before he died, the last words, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Isn't that powerful? Doesn't that just really get, boy, it just gets on me when I think about that. It just gets all over me. Father, into your hands I commit my, he knew in the end that he was back with the Father and the Father was back with him. Isn't that powerful? That's what it's really talking about here. And it's for everybody in this room. Then it goes on, for this is like the waters of Noah to me. Now, how many people in this room know about the waters of Noah, know about the, Noah, the covenant of Noah that God made? He's, the covenant was this, I will never destroy the earth again by water, by floods. Do y'all, how many people here believe that? It is, this is the craziest thing. Most people on this earth actually believe that. I mean, I have no, I have no trouble believing that for some reason. I've always believed it all my life. When, even before I knew the Lord, I knew God had promised the earth that He would never flood the earth again and destroy it. And He gave the rainbow as a symbol. I mean, it's one of the few things that we can literally and physically see that God has ever done in all of history, if you think about it. He's made, he made other covenants, you know, but they weren't something... Well, you know, He gave the Abrahamic covenant and they had to do the covenant of circumcision. Well, nobody wants to look at that, Right? Right? Come on now. Okay? But the rainbow, every time you see a rainbow, it, uh, it touches you. It touches people in, in the world even. Okay? But this is what the Lord's saying. This is like this covenant. Okay? For I have sworn that the waters of Noah would no longer cover the earth. So, now this is it. Well, we need to get this. So have I sworn. Now listen. So have I sworn. If God could get us to, re- to really believe what he's fixing to say, I would not be angry with you nor rebuke you. He is talking about forever. Just like I promise I'll never cover the water. I will promise you I will never be mad at you ever again. I will never be angry with you. Never. 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 And how many people in the church think God's mad at them or displeased with us when we do something wrong? It's a lie from hell. It is one of the greatest lies that we've ever believed. That God is somehow angry, disappointed, displeased with us by something we do or don't do. When He has said, never, I don't care what you do, I don't care what happens, I will never be angry with you. I will never come with a sharp rebuke towards you. Sure, I may correct you. Sure, I may admonish, but I will never cut you down. Then it says, isn't that good? Then, then this is how much it says. For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you. What he's saying about mountains and hills, he's saying terrible things are going to happen. There could be a, a bomb. There could be an earthquake. There could be something, uh, something awful happen. But he's got to say, you've got to know this. No matter what happens, my goodness, my kindness, my love to you, that is not a question. That is not an issue. When bad things happen in your life, don't question, does God love me? Does God care about me? Is God good? Don't even go there because it, doesn't, that's, it has nothing to do with it. None of those things matter. No matter what, this is how I feel about you. No matter what. And see, we don't, we don't really believe that, I don't think. Nor shall my covenant of peace 
be removed. My covenant of peace, nor I, my covenant of peace. I will not re- Listen, ladies and gentlemen, He will not remove it. He will not remove His covenant of peace. He will not remove the ability for you to have a relationship. He will not remove the ability for you to be provided for, for you to be fulfilled and complete in your life and whole in your life. God will not remove it from you, no matter what your circumstances say, no matter what your circumstances do, no matter what happens in the earth. The United States could collapse tomorrow, and the Lord would be saying to us, My covenant of peace is still with you. Now, that's the truth. No matter how many bad things is going on in your life right now, you could lose a child. We've lost a child. But this is what the Lord says. My covenant of peace is still with you. My kindness is still with you. I didn't cause your child to die. I didn't take that child. Like some people say, God's trying to teach you a lesson. God wants to teach us this. This is what He wants to teach. He wants us to quit. Here's, here's, what, here's why I know Christians are messed up about this. Well, why in the Old Testament did God do? Why did He send an evil spirit on Saul? You know what the answer is? It's the Old Testament. What people do... That's what we've done. We've taken the Old Testament, read it, and looked it into the New Testament and tried to interpret the New Testament based on what was written in the Old Testament. It's backwards. Take the New Testament, read it, and then look at the Old Testament. And all that stuff that people always want to know about, that was old. That's my answer. That was old covenant. God don't do that no more. God's not mad at me no more. God's not full of wrath no more. God does judge things, okay, but not under condemnation. Just like a child, you know, if a child does something wrong, you would say, you know, don't do that because if you do that, this is what's going to happen. You're doing it to teach them. You're doing it to protect them. You're doing it to to help, you know, raise them up. You know, a good parent don't take his child and they do something wrong, just, you know, condemn them and tell them they're jerks, they're idiots, and they deserve this bad stuff that's going to happen to them. Like we think God does, you know, am I, anybody, I'm hoping somebody's hearing this this morning. I'm hoping that we're hearing the truth about God this morning and truth about the gospel of peace and the covenant of peace instead of all this, like God's out to judge the United States. I don't, I don't find that in the Bible. There'll be a day when He does, but we're still under grace. He's not mad at the United States or, or Russia or, or Saudi Arabia or anybody. He's not out to judge them and condemn everybody into the ground. That's not His heart. That's not the Father's heart. Now, there'll come a day when all that's going to happen, but there won't be no flood. <laughs> Says the Lord who has mercy on you. Which I got one more minute. Okay? Are y'all all right? This is, the, this is it, man. Let me read this John 1. Oh, look, by the way, in verse 17 in Isaiah 54, this is what it says. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. That's where it comes from, the covenant of peace. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. Isn't that powerful? See, we've got a great gospel we're believing. If we're, if we're really believing it, and we begin to see God like that. All right, John 1, let me, this is John the Baptist talking, okay? Even though it's in the gospel of John. John the Baptist who, te- who baptized Jesus Christ in water. John testified, saying, I have seen the Spirit as a dove out of heaven, and he remained upon him. First, number one, people who say you can't see the Holy Spirit, right here it says, specifically, you can see the Holy Spirit. Isn't that powerful? And Becky has seen the Holy Spirit. 
So when she tells you that, don't think she's telling you something that's bad. It's in the Bible. And I think it's awesome that God said, to, told John the Baptist, I'm gonna, you're going to see something. Because if he can see it, we can see it. That's what he's saying. Anything that's in the New Testament, other than the cross and having to go to the cross, because we've already done that in Christ, if somebody did it in the New Testament, we can do it. That's how you have to take this. Oh, he saw the Holy Spirit come. Then we can, we can see the Holy Spirit come. In fact, there was a woman in the first service told me this. She said, Byron, I, I wish I'd have said something, but I didn't. You know, that, everybody leaves preachers out hanging out to dry on stuff. She said, there was doves all over the place in the, in, during worship in church this morning. I thought, man, I wish you'd come up and tell everybody that would have helped them with their faith. And, you know, instead of just me telling them. So th that's the Holy Ghost. Uh, uh, and he remained upon him, talking about on Jesus. He said, I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize the Lord said to me, he, whom, he upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining, this is the one who baptized in the Holy Spirit. All right, so here's, here's the quick version. The Holy Spirit, this is the only time we see the Holy Spirit coming on Jesus in the New Testament, like a dove. Dove, the revelation of the Holy Spirit is dove centers on relationship, right? Now, here's the truth. When we talk about the Holy Spirit coming on believers in the New Testament, apart from Jesus, it's usually the Holy Spirit fire, right? The Holy Spirit wind, right? Come on. The Holy Spirit river, right? And we need all those things. But Jesus didn't need any of them. I believe this with all my heart. I believe this anointing of the Holy Spirit as a dove is the highest anointing that any person can ever get. Because it's the anointing of peace. It's the anointing of relationship. And we need desperately the fire of God. We need the wind of God to come on us. But we need this anointing to come on us. That We need to feel complete. We need to feel fulfilled. We need to know that God is at peace with us and we are at peace with Him. And He said, I, will ne I don't care what you do or what you say, I will never remove that from you. Ever! You can't talk yourself out of that. You can in your mind, but ultimately, as far as God's concerned, as far as God's concerned, you can have a perfect relationship with Him right now. And there's nothing you can do to stop that. And no matter what happens in your life, when bad things come, it ain't God doing that to you to teach you a lesson. It ain't God because you did some bad thing, now He's going to fix you. And that's what we've been taught to do. And anybody who brings condemnation, that's condemnation. And the Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's what it says. So anybody who ever condemns us, they don't have a right to condemn us. Now, somebody may can come along and correct us, and we need corrections. Ask Becky. <laughs> exactly. She's always correcting me. But not condemnation. Are y'all getting this? Do y'all get, are y'all beginning to see how God really is and what the gospel of peace is really about? So what you got to do is start seeing these situations in your life, these terrible things, and you just need to say, oh, God sent them to serve me because He's calling forth the greatness in me. He's calling forth the beauty in me. Those are my servants. So I'm going to start treating trouble and difficulties like my servant. I'm just going to treat them like their servants. You belong, you, hey, you're serving me. Hey, get with it. Let's get done because I've got to go on with my life. And if we'll begin to see that, instead of complaining and whining and being all bad, you know... 
Now, I'm going to tell you this. We don't know a lot of stuff. We don't know a lot of stuff. You know what a friend of mine told me? He had a, he had a, mel- he had a melanoma thing on his bald head. Every bald-headed guy, get your hat and wear it. So I said, man, are you all right? He had it cut off. Are you all right? He said, Byron, let me tell you something. I ain't borrowing trouble. I'm fine. I'm not, I don't, there's enough trouble in this world. I'm not believing there's anything wrong with me. I'm not borrowing no more trouble. I, don't even, I haven't even thought about it. They cut it off. I've moved on. And we borrow trouble all the time in our lives, worrying and fretting over stuff we can't control. It's a great word. I thought, I thought, man, you can say that. It's the covenant of peace. Can we put that thing up there? Uh, I got this great picture. I know you're all tired and weary and ready to go home. But look at this, the uh, rainbow, the picture. Yeah, now this is a real picture. Some of you have seen it. This is a real picture. Yeah, do that. Turn those off. This is a real picture. It was taken a couple of weeks ago down in Charlotte. That's the city of downtown Charlotte. You see that rainbow, and the only thing that I thought, when I saw it, I thought, that's Photoshop. That's got to be. No, the guy said, the guy who actually took it said, the only thing I did is I had sort of highlighted it some to, just to bring it out. I didn't Photoshop it. I didn't manipulate those clouds being kept from coming down on the city of Charlotte. Now, that tells you something right there. That should tell everybody in this room something. When I saw that, you know what I did? This is the first thing I did. I saw myself under that rainbow. I started, well, I'm under this rainbow. This is a covenant of peace. I'm in it. And then, yeah, and the next thing I did, you know what I did? I saw my children. I grabbed my children and started pulling them in there with me. I pulled my house in there. Then I, looked, I thought about this church and thought, I'm just going to put this church under that, that covenant of peace. I put the church in it. That means everybody in this room. Then I started thinking about the community, Morrisville. So, oh, well, if, if, if Charlotte can get it, I can have it for my community. I can have it for my neighborhood. And so I began to bring that. And you see, there's stormy clouds out there. I think there's something to that. I think there's something to that. I think it's a word from the Lord. And I think He's trying to tell people. Brian will say that he was at a prayer meeting at Mahesh's church, you know, they did all-night prayer the night before this happened. They were really praying for Charlotte, you know, in the surrounding areas. We're close enough, right? We can get under the covenant of the peace. Hey, if we ain't, we got our own covenant of the peace. It's for everybody. It's for anybody who wants to get under that covenant of peace and begin to live your life that way. And no matter what happens to you, because there's a war, there's an absolute war going on right now about the goodness of God. And his kind, loving intentions towards us. Well, I'm going to tell you something. That war has already been fought and won at the cross. That's the truth. It's already been fought and won at the cross. All we got to do is enter into it. So, amen. Stand up and we'll pray and dismiss you. Seven minutes late. 37-minute message. <laughs> yeah, grace, grace. All right, lift your hands to heaven. We're gonna, we've been catching the love of God. We're going to catch the covenant of the peace and say we believe it. Father, let's just pray this prayer. We're going to renounce. We're going to renounce that other stuff. Father, right now in Jesus' name, I renounce believing that you have ill will towards me, that you are not good, and that you're not kind. And this morning I choose to believe that you are a good God that you love me, 
and you will, your kindness will never depart from me. No matter what happens in my life, I believe from the bottom of my heart that you are good and that I have peace with you today. And I receive your peace in a greater revelation today. Father, I thank you for the covenant of peace that's everlasting. And just like this picture shows, the covenant of the rainbow, there's a greater covenant over my life. And if I have trouble today, I'll choose to look at it as my servant. That's calling forth the greatness that's in me. I thank you for that in Jesus' name. So what we're going to do is dismiss you. If anybody needs prayer, please come up here and we will lay hands on you and pray special prayer. Hey, healing's in the covenant. Healing's in the atonement. Everybody say that. Healing's in the atonement. God heals because of the cross. That's the, that's the, that settles the issue of healing. Bless you.